Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Okay. Did I get the same look you give Paul? Did y'all see the look she gave me? I thought she was done playing. So I'm standing up here. She looked over at me like, sit down. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All righty. Okay. Is it, uh, open your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 7, please. This is a very important topic that fits in perfectly with what we're talking about here in and around the 4th of July. Because you're like me, you love this country, and I think you're like me in that you're concerned about the direction of this country. All is not lost by any means, but still we are concerned. And this topic fits in perfectly with what we're looking at when we think about our country, because it matters to our country. And the question before us this evening is, is it wrong to judge? Now, if you go back to what we taught last Sunday about liberals and liberalism, At the heart of liberalism is the idea of a word that maybe you hadn't thought about before, but at the heart of liberalism is non-discriminateness, non-discriminateness, okay? And that simply means don't judge. At the heart of who liberals are is the idea that they're not going to judge anybody, they're not going to, and they don't want anybody else judging, with one exception, they will judge Christians, Okay, And they will try to shut us up because they think we are the worst judges of all. But in the liberal mindset, you, you can't judge illegal aliens. You can't judge you know, about whether a person's language is appropriate or inappropriate. I've been seeing a lot of articles. Let me chase a rabbit real quick. I've been reading a lot of articles by liberals about how it is perfectly okay today to curse and giving speeches. You know, they think it gives emphasis and it shows passion. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. When I say these people, liberals have come unhinged, folks, they have come unhinged. You know, and, and they cannot discern between right and wrong. And they do not believe in, in, in judging. I mean, I cannot share with you what has gone on at some of these, let me just say what it is, Democratic rallies. The Democratic rally in, in, uh, in California, what they were chanting and what they were doing. And as a, and head by the, it was, that rally was led by the head Democrat of that state. I cannot, I won't even hint at what they were saying and what they were doing. And again, that's got to tell you, something's wrong. Something bad is going on here. And we're getting an understanding in these messages that I'm sharing with you. And we understand, well, the reason they do that is because they believe in indiscriminateness. They believe it is wrong to judge. So they, they, they believe it's wrong to judge almost any aspect of life. And many of these liberals and many liberal Christians love to quote Matthew 7.1. And Matthew 7.1 says, Judge not that ye be not judged. And I've heard preachers recently say that in our culture, this is probably the most often quoted verse in the Bible. Judge not that ye be not judged. Liberals believe that if you judge, you are a bigot. Liberal 
Christians believe that if you judge, you are a legalist. Now, for me, the only thing that matters is, what does the Bible teach? Whatever the Bible teaches, that's what I'm going with. If the Bible teaches that we are not to judge ever anybody for any reason, then I'll preach that from the pulpit. But if it doesn't say that, I'm not going to preach it from the pulpit. But the Bible, you remember, Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved. You've got to study these things out. I mean, if you're naive, if you're gullible, and somebody quotes to you Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged, you might think into the subject. Hey, that's Bible premise for it. I mean, there's the Bible basis for it. Uh, how do you argue with that? How do you say anything other than that? Well, you've got to understand Bible interpretation. You, you've got to, number one, look at the context in which something is said. Is it, is it really saying what you think it's saying, or when you look at the context, does that give you greater insight into what it's actually saying? And then you also have to compare it with other passages of Scripture that deal with that topic. Then you come to a conclusion. But if you're lazy or you're ignorant, then you're more than likely going to come to the wrong conclusion. You're going to be led astray. That's why the Bible says, study. And that's why I commend you for being here on on Wednesday night, because we're studying the Bible. So what does the Bible teach about judging? Well, first, let's look at the context in which that verse is stated because it matters. The context will give us the the flavor, the direction, the understanding. Now look at what it says in Matthew chapter 7. Verse number 1, judge not that ye be not judged. Yes, it says that. What's the context? For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. In other words, how are you judging people? Because how you judge people is how people are going to judge you. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Here's the context, verse number 3. As it's talking about judging, it says, And why beholdest thou the mote, or the little speck, that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? That's the context. You're not supposed to judge that way. Judge not that way. Don't be judging people that might have a speck in their eye when you have a beam in your eye. That's talking about being hypocritical. Don't be a hypocritical judge, to which we would all say amen. Absolutely. Yeah, we're to judge, but are we to ever be a hypocritical judge? No. Verse number four. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, judging him for that sin, and behold, there's a beam in thine own eye. And then the Bible says it quite clearly. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thy see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. In other words, don't be a hypocrite. As a hypocrite, you are not going to judge wisely, properly, or accurately. So get the beam out of your eye, get your life straight, and, and you know, grow as a Christian, and that puts you in a better position to judge. So does the Bible say, judge not that you be not judged? Well, 
Yes, but the context is very, very clear. That does not mean, and there's no way you can even imply or infer that it means that you're never to judge anybody for any reason. But yet, that verse is probably one of the most oft-quoted verses in the Bible. And one of the reasons is it's convenient if you want to defend sin. You know, it's just kind of get-out-of-jail-free card. You know, judge not that you be not judged. Oh, man, that's right. I can't judge you. Well, no, that's not what it's saying. It means don't judge hypocritically. When, don't, when you behold a moat that is in their eye and you've got a beam in your eye, you're in no position to judge. So get it out. But I also want you to consider this. You're in Matthew chapter 7. In that same chapter, skip down to verse number 15. Okay? Now, we we looked at the context. Now let's compare Scripture. That's a second valuable tool in making sure that you're understanding the Bible correctly. You see, what a lot of cults will do, they they will pick one verse or two verses that appear to say one thing. They will pull them out of context. They will not consider them in comparison to other passages on the same subject. And they will, you know, just get you out on a limb there in no man's land, believing something that you shouldn't believe. No, you've got to study. You have to, you have to think about this. You have to do what you're doing tonight. You know, stop everything you're doing and go to church and listen to the preacher, open your Bible and, and read it. So we, we looked at the context. Now let's, let's just compare what they're saying there to Scripture too. Does it hold up in Scripture? In Matthew chapter 7, verse number 15 says, Beware of false prophets. Now, how in the world are you going to be able to recognize false prophets if you don't judge? Well, I can tell you this. If you don't judge, you won't recognize false prophets. But my Bible says beware in that same chapter where it says judge not. Go down a little ways and it says beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words... You better be a good judge. You better be a wise judge. You better be an insightful judge. You better be a a, a, a knowledgeable judge because they're going to try to trick you. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. What are they producing? Do good men gather grapes of thorns or figs or of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. In other words, that's going to require some judgment. What kind of fruit is that man who claims to be a prophet producing? Somebody's got to say, well, this guy is producing good fruit, but this guy over here appears to be a false prophet because he's producing bad fruit. Unlike the liberals, you have to be able to judge between good and and bad, you know, evil and righteousness. It's what we have to do. You, he goes on to say, verse number 18, a good tree cannot produce, uh, cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You've probably heard the phrase, you know, before, you know, to understand who a or a real man of God is and who a false prophet is, you got to be a fruit inspector. You know, you got to inspect it, which means you've got to come to con- some conclusions, which means you've got to use discernment, which means you have to judge. 
And if I were Satan, I'd be trying to convince the world of Christians that, oh, don't judge, don't judge. I, I, if I were Satan, I'd have people right where I wanted them. Yes, it requires effort. And yes, we've got to make sure that we're not judging in the wrong way. That's not the point. Of that. that could be a whole other message. We, we don't want to judge uh, hypocritically, but we don't want to judge with a mean spirit either. And we don't want to judge without the facts either. But again, we only have so much time tonight. So there are wrong ways to judge, okay? And we shouldn't judge in any of those wrong ways. But we can't live the Bible without judging. I mentioned this in our message last Sunday. In your Bibles in 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon became king at a very early age. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 5, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept of him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son now to sit on his throne as it is this day. And here's his prayer. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. He said, look, this is all new to me. I don't know what I'm doing. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people. They cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. And here's his prayer. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people. Listen, if you're going to be liberal in your politics, liberal in your theology, you're going to be thinking now, oh, wait, Solomon, you're praying the wrong prayer. (laughs) You're not supposed to judge Solomon. You're just supposed to love everybody. Well, we are supposed to love everybody. But we won't know a false prophet unless we judge him to be a false prophet. The Bible says a companion of fools will be destroyed. You can't avoid the fools unless you use God-given wisdom and and judgment to determine who those fools are. Now, if you're a liberal or liberal-leaning, you're going to be thinking, Oh, Solomon, be careful what you pray for because you can't be a good king if you judge... Verse 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. Liberals today would say, there's no such thing. What's good for you may be bad for somebody else. What's bad for you may be good for somebody else. It's it's, it's all relative. That's what humanism teaches. That's what relativism teaches, okay? That's the philosophy of Satan. That's what he wants us to have. But he prays that I may discern between good and bad. The liberal world doesn't even want to acknowledge good and bad, except for Christians who are always bad. Why? Because they judge, therefore they are bigots. That's what they would teach. So the Lord said to Solomon, you know, Solomon, you need to go to UCLA or Cal Berkeley and learn some stuff. You're not supposed to judge. You know, that's not what you're supposed to do. You know, you need to go to, to U of M or Michigan State where they really teach you liberalism. I just got you back. 
Or you could go to a good conservative Christian college like LSU. <laughs> uh, so he prayed, he prayed for that and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And I got to thinking about this, and this is going to come up this Sunday. Last week, I relied a lot on the, I would call him a Jewish philosopher, uh, Evan Sayet. And I told you that a lot of what I shared with you, I got from him. This week, it's going to come from a Christian man that I've been reading a lot of over the last several years, Oz Guinness. He was born, he's from Scotland. He was born on the mission field in, in uh, China. His parents were missionaries. He loves America. He probably knows American history better than we Americans do, even though he's a Scotsman and he's, he's got that, that accent. He loves America and he, he knows America. And one of the things that uh, I will emphasize from uh, what I've learned from him and want to share with you is the fact that this country, to be the country it has been, has been to a great degree because of virtue. And I'm going to explain that to you, how that no nation can be free unless they are first a virtuous people, okay? And I got to thinking about this. Folks, if you don't judge and use discernment, you can't display virtue. Does that make sense? If you don't think, if you don't judge, if you don't have discernment, you can't determine what's right, what's wrong. You can't determine what's good, what's bad, what's evil, and what's righteous. The only way you can be virtuous is to have discernment. To have the ability to judge. To have the wisdom to say, I can't live that lifestyle. And because you recognize that and you make that judgment and you come to that conclusion and you make that decision, then you can live a virtuous life. One individual says the first point of wisdom is to to discern that which is false. The second, to know that which is true. And to you, I, I can, and to me, it's kind of hard for us to understand. You mean there's people out there that, you know, nothing's right or wrong? Exactly. Exactly. There's lots of people that say, well, it might be wrong for you, but it's okay for me. Or if it's not good for you, it's good for me. Or if it's not good for me, it could be good for you. You know, they don't believe in God. They don't believe they're going to be judged. If they lied, you, you and I would feel guilty if we lied. God's going to get us, Okay. And he might chasten us for, for, for lying. Certainly will. Understand, they're not thinking that. that. They can lie with impunity. They can cheat with impunity. They can take advantage of people with impunity. It is not wrong. It is not bad. There's no judge. There's nobody to say what's right or wrong. Majority wins, you know. And in Hitler's case, the majority killed, you know, how many million Jews? Charles Spurgeon said... Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. That is a fantastic quote. I love quotes. You want to hear it again? Of course you do. Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong. Rather, it is telling the difference between right and 
and almost right. You cannot be virtuous if you don't judge. Now, you've got to judge right. You can't be hypocritical, can't be mean-spirited, can't be condescending, can't be arrogant. None of that. We're talking about a, 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 a humility, but, but a, an understanding. There's some things that are right, and there's some things that are wrong. There are certain behaviors that will lead to success. There are certain behaviors that will lead to failure. Only then can you pursue virtue and be, virtu- be virtuous. But being virtuous... It's not only tied to our personal blessings and well-being. Being virtuous is critical to our blessings and well-being as a nation. Because God looks at you and me as individuals, but he divides us up into people groups too. He, he, he looks at families. In the Bible, there was times he judged families and, he, and he, he blessed other families. So he looks at individuals for sure. He looks at families for sure. He, he, looks at, uh, he looks at nations, you know, and he judges nations. There were nations that were evil. There were the, you know, uh, the, there were the Philistines, and, you know, they, he, the Lord looked at them as a group. And he looked at Israel as, as a group of people. And I believe with all my heart he looks at the United States as a group of people. And as we're going to see more Sunday, the importance of virtue as a people, we need to promote the idea of righteous judging because not only is it going to affect you and I individually, it's going to affect our nation. How about some quotes from our founding fathers? Benjamin Franklin. By the way, as I study these founding fathers, so many politicians today, they're not statesmen. They are, they, they are just politicians. They're, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. Let, let's, you know, let's make a deal. You know, the old smoke-filled rooms, you know, the guys with the cigars and whatever, and chasing women and all that kind of stuff and drinking their cocktails. And that, that's not all politicians today, thankfully. There's some good Christian men out, that are out there, and we need to encourage them and support them. But there are too many th- that are otherwise that just think in these very simple, pragmatic terms. Let me tell you, you study the founding fathers, they looked at life. They looked at mankind. They looked at nations prior to them. They looked at the nature of people. When they were considering what kind of government they were going to form, and it took them a long time to to hash it all out, and it was a real challenge, because they were thinking about people. How can people govern themselves? And they they looked at the sinful nature of people. So we got to have checks and balances. You know, and they looked at the, the, the importance of virtue with people. I mean, our founding fathers, I just hold in the highest esteem. I, I mean, these guys were thinking in ways that so many little pea brains today don't think. L- listen to this. Benjamin Franklin. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. You, you see how he's thinking? As they're, you know, remember... They didn't start off with the Constitution. You know, they got to hash all this stuff out. You know, how, are, how can people govern themselves? This great experiment. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Truer words have never been said. I mean, folks, if our nation loses its virtue and we become licentious, we will, we will lose our representative government and we will live under tyrants. That's the way it always goes. 
Listen to George Washington, maybe the hero of heroes of mine. Um, Human rights can only be assured among a virtuous people. The general government can never be in danger of degenerating into a monarchy, an oligarchy, an aristocracy, or any despotic or oppressive form, so long as there is any virtue in the body of the people. George Washington. Let me ask you, is our nation becoming more virtuous or less? I think the answer is quite obvious. That's not to discourage us, that is to inspire us. Patrick Henry, I think, maybe said it best of all. And again, here's the way these men are thinking. He said... And I quote, bad men cannot make good citizens. It is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. You see how these guys are? They're thinking big. They're thinking the nature of God. They're thinking the nature of man and how we get this balance just right. Bad men cannot make good citizens. It is when a people forget God that tyrants forge their chains. Look at all the false religions of the world and In almost every single one of them, there's some sort of tyrant that rules them. And the Middle East is the best place to go to find that. A deadened state of morals, a corrupted, I'm still quoting Patrick Henry, a corrupted public conscience is incompatible with freedom. No free government or the blessings of liberty can be preserved to any people but by a firm adherence to justice, moderation, temperance, frugality, and virtue. Virtue requires that we be thinkers, that we be wise, that well, John seven twenty four. how should we judge? We've mentioned ways you shouldn't judge. You shouldn't be a hypocrite and judge. Clean up your own life. Uh, until you clean up your life, you're in no position to judge. And we're not to judge harshly. We should always judge with a, a restoration in mind and the, or the hope that somebody gets saved. But John seven twenty four says this, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge Righteous judgment. Judge righteous judgment. Don't make judgments on superficial, touchy-feely things. But judge righteous judgment. In other words, where does righteousness originate from? What, What is the perfect example of righteousness? It's from the Lord and of the Lord. As you grow closer to the Lord... You become more sensitive to sin, and you're better able to make a righteous judgment. As you grow away from the Lord, you become insensitive to sin, and people that used to live a pretty clean, moral life start doing things that they hadn't done since before they were saved. You know, righteous judgment. Of that verse, John MacArthur says that that's talking about, when it talks about judge, righteous judgment, he says, and I quote, the exercise of moral and theological judgment. The more you know God, the more you know about God, the more you know his word, the better position you are in to judge righteously. 
let me conclude by just saying these three things. To be sure, when you judge righteously and you say that this is wrong and this is right, no matter how kind, how compassionate, and how honorable your motives, there are wicked people that will criticize you. And in this day and age, try to take you down. And it might be in the workplace. It might be in the classroom. Uh, it, it might be in the, the, the community. It, it could even be standing in this, in this pulpit. Be prepared. You know, and we'll see what we're going to be. We're, we're about to see what we're made out of. Some people will criticize you. But remember this too. When you make a righteous judgment. Some people are going to be blessed by you. Some people are going to be won by the Lord, or won to the Lord by, by you showing some, some courage. Compassion, yes, but courage also. So we tend to just think, well, I'm going to be criticized. Well, that could very well happen. But don't forget, you could be a huge blessing. Somebody coming up to you at work and saying, I, I appreciate, you know, your stand. And I appreciate you wanting to do right. I know it's not easy. But the bottom line is, did you use righteous judgment? So, is it wrong to judge? No. Not when it's righteous judgment. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on the Holy Spirit of God. It's based on you maturing in the Lord. Folks, it is not the time for us to back into our shell or stick our head down in the sand. We're not to be arrogant. We're not to be mean-spirited. But at the same time, we are not to be cowards. We must speak the truth. And people today will throw it in your face. Judge not that you be not judged. They're taking that out of context, and they're not reading it in comparison to other Scripture that talks about how we are to judge. So, again, let's pray that God will give us wisdom as Christians to judge, yes, but judge righteously. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.